This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. It's David and Kyle with the Power Producers Podcast where we are refining and redefining the sales game today, we have Ms. Mariah Davis from Oakview Insurance in California. Hey, What's guys. up, Mariah? How you doing? I'm doing great. It yeah? is uh, early morning, well, 9 a.m. for us you know, over here on the West Coast. So getting our day up and going. Yeah, there's nothing worse than my Calendly link sending me an email that I get that 445 on Friday afternoon call booked with somebody out in California for some reason or another. It's like the worst. I actually, so listen, I never leave the office early ever. I mean, unless I'm sick or something like that, right? But I usually work right up till five, six o'clock, maybe even later on a Friday. But I've started now just blocking from three to five off and call it weekly wrap up. So nobody can book time with me from three to five. Because what I found is people and listen, I don't I'm not complaining about it. I have no problem taking calls and talking to people or whatever else. But it makes it really difficult for me to get all of my stuff wrapped up by the end of the week, because I know who does leave at five o'clock or earlier every underwriter I've ever known. Yeah. yeah, It's it's three o'clock and and they're gone for their long weekend. So yeah, absolutely. So listen, we got a lot to talk to you about today. I'm I'm interested though. The the, the one question we ask everybody is kind of tell us the backstory. How did you get into insurance? Where did you come from? We find that the overwhelming majority of people that we talked to had no aspirations whatsoever to have anything to do with insurance, both of us included. So, so true. We're, we're interested in hearing sort of your journey from that perspective. Yeah. So I, like you were saying, I think like most people, 100% stumbled into this industry. Um, I was um, 22, um, about ready to graduate from Sac State. My degree is in social science. So I called out the whatever degree. I had no idea what I was going to do, um, but I, I was going to have that degree, might have followed a cousin into law school, and uh, my dad walked into his farmer's insurance uh, agent's office and was told that the, the agent was going to be retiring out for medical leave, and they asked him if he might want to get into insurance. Um, my dad that, has been- That's random. It, it is. It is. Um, And my dad had been the chief information officer at several small regional banks. And um, these banks kept getting bought out. He would get a severance package, but, you know, he'd have to go find another job. And so, so wait, he, wait, hold on. Tell me your dad took over the farmer's agency. Oh, he, he did. And somehow <laughs> that, that's awesome. So he, he got that. And somehow we managed to talk them into giving me my own contract. I have no idea why you would give a 22-year-old with absolutely no experience a contract, but but it happened, and we made that work, um, and we ran actually an agency together for four years, even though we both had our own contracts, our own numbers uh, to meet, and then I, I just started realizing that was not where I wanted to stay for my, the rest of my career, you know, 30 or 40 years ahead of me in insurance, did I want to be locked down with one company? And so I made that decision that, no, I didn't. Um, I decided to go independent and had my eyes open to the whole you know, other side of the world here. Um, and 
found out how little I actually knew about both insurance and being a business owner. Um, you know, when I was captive, I didn't know what profit sharing was. Mm-hmm. But no, no clue. I knew that there was something out there, but it was all tied to life insurance. Um, what was it like working with your dad? I've, yeah. I've, we've had a few on here before where it's been the same scenario. And obviously, David's, you know, kind of went over his story a little bit, but I'm interested to see what it was like, what that dynamic was. Yeah, it was good. My dad and I have a great relationship, so that helps. Um, and in a lot of ways, it was gave me a good start because of me being so young and having real no real work experience. I mean, mm-hmm. I had like worked at, you know, as a hostess for you know, the summer at a Mexican restaurant and I had worked at you know, Bed Bath & Beyond or you know, a couple of little like retail stuff, but no office experience, no you know, real management experience. So actually it, that worked out well because I, I kind of got to learn that side a little bit from him before, you know, launching my side uh, mm-hmm. on the, the independent. And he, he stayed with farmers for another couple of years and just retired out of the insurance industry. This is now actually a farmer. So <laughs> there you go. he, he farms uh, uh, mandarins and um, plots. So huh. randomness. Um, but yeah, totally fell, fell into it. Um, super stoked that I found the independent side. Um, and really, I spent a couple of years just trying to figure out that side of things, get my feet under me. Um, and it wasn't until we uh, joined a, a specific cluster, PIIB, which I think they're really out on the West Coast. So you guys probably don't run into too, too many folks that have them. But um, that started giving me a lot of networking opportunities with other insurance agents and um, then IAOA. Those two things blew up our, our agency. I mean, just changed everything about how we, we handle our business, um, you know, our sales, our customer service, all of that. I'd been out on an island. Everyone that I knew that was in the insurance industry was 80 <laughs> and, you know, on their way out. Yeah. And really, they weren't very interested in talking to the 22-year-old you know, who just got started. Listen, so, I, can re- I can remember going... I mean... Yeah, I can remember going into the State Farm Office for my parents' annual policy review when I was a kid. And the old lady at the desk, that's back when you were able to smoke at your desk. Like, <laughs> she would always have like a four-inch ash dangling off of her cigarette as it just bounced on her lip the whole time. And that's all I ever remember is we would have to go home and change clothes because we smelled like smoke after we left the State Farm office. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Oh, I- I'm about to start smoking at my desk. There's nobody here. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, I have, a, I have a question quick. Um, yeah. Or actually two things. Number one, um, I think it's interesting because it seems like farmers and even State Farm and Allstate uh, to a certain degree – it doesn't, it seems like they give a lot of young people a chance, right? I mean, you said you were what, 22 years old and they gave you a contract. You're not the first person that we've had on that is, has said something like that. I mean, Jennifer was really young when mm-hmm. she got her all state contract yeah. and, and Ricky Hader was young when he got his, you know what? I don't even know how old Ricky Hader is. We, we probably need to ask, I need to ask him that because well, I mean, he could be like 60 and we don't even know. I mean, he was at the iron, was it iron maiden? So. Yeah, he was at the Iron Maiden concert in the mosh pit and got an earplug <laughs> stuck in his right. ear. But he also referenced that he was too old for that. I, I really, I, I Ricky's my friend. I honestly don't know how old he is. <laughs> well, you're gonna have to find out now. Like, but he was relatively young. I think he was relatively young. Yeah, <laughs> let's get a lifeline <laughs> yeah. to hater right now because I'll have a mental block the rest <laughs> of this episode. But uh, no, I mean, I think that's interesting that they that they do that. Um, and then yeah. the other thing I would ask you is what you know, what led you to make the decision? Like when, how, number one, how long have you been an independent now? Because I don't know that we, we heard, I heard that, but then what led you to make that decision? Uh, so going back to kind of the, the younger folks, um, I mean, I, obviously I think there's a corporate side to that. Uh, these district managers have to put up so many new agents a year. And, um, you know, sometimes I, I think they're just trying to hit numbers. And if you fog the mirror, great, you know, We'll put you up. We'll see if it works. Um, if you do, great. If not, you know, we'll pull somebody else in. Um, but, you know, I think you also have some good district managers who are looking for young talent and they're going to, to cultivate that. 
and you know, maybe turn them into a great agent and they're just willing to take the chance on some of the younger folks. And I, I do think it's important that we have somebody in the industry that is doing that. Because if not, how are we going to be pulling in some of this younger talent? Right, because I can tell you, if you tried to come into an independent at 22 years old and get any kind of livable wage, training program, or anything, you're going to be hard-pressed to get an opportunity. I couldn't even sure. get it at 30. No, that's that's exactly. So the, at least these places are willing to take the chance. Um, if they have some sort of training program. You know, Do I think all of them are wonderful? No. But did it get my feet wet? And then insurance? Yeah, yeah, it did. And it got the ball rolling. Um, so I kind of started to just discover the, the independent side by just running into accounts that we weren't able to write. And you started noticing a lot of it was coming from, from you know, independent insurance companies. And then started poking around online and found a couple different message boards. You know, there was Facebook, but nobody was using it in that way yet. So it was a legit like farmer's agents, you know, message board. And a lot of agents were talking about going independent and some different aggregators and you know, ways to get out. And I, you know, I, right. I just really thought, do I want to be stuck to one company forever? And what's going to happen if they start making changes? And they did that, you know, I think a year or two after I left, they changed the contract. Um, part of the deal when I started with farmers is I had to be licensed for property casualty, life and health. And I had to have my series six and 63 wow. financial licenses. So they had me doing hmm. mutual funds. That's interesting. And that was the requirement um, for the contract. And so I, just, <laughs> once again, I'm 22 and you want me to be talking to some 75 year old guy about his, his financial plan. And Isn't that crazy though? I think a lot of those, like, you know, I, you, there's a laundry list of them that are yeah. always recruiting at the college campuses, whether it be mm -hmm. New York Life or Northwestern Mutual or or whoever. And it just always has blown my mind that that's where they recruit from, because who in their right mind that has any kind of net worth is going to allow a, a kid right out of college to manage their money for them. Exactly. I 100% agree. So what, like, what's the reason behind that? Do you think it's just because they're so green that they can train them and the, they don't know any better that, you know, like uh, old dog, new tricks type of situation or what, like, what do you think the, the, the reason is behind I that? I think it's some of that. I think some of it's just churn and burn. Yeah. I mean, they get these policies on, on the, you know, the books, who cares if this person, you know, fails out, we're probably going to keep some of this and they just kind of keep going. Um, and, and that's my my opinion on it. Makes sense. Um, but but yeah, no, it, it's I was spread too thin. I, I realized real quick that I couldn't be everything to everyone, and they were requiring requiring me to be, and I just wasn't going to fly. So um, so yeah, just kind of decided to make make that hop over. Um, and I have had this independent agency for ten years now. I've been in insurance almost fifteen. Um, and so, yeah, I said took a while. Um, I was young and single and probably didn't have my head totally in the game when, when I made that switch over. Um, but once I, I settled down a little bit more, I could really focus on, on the agency and growth and where we wanted to be. What was your biggest challenge in transitioning? Learning all the different companies, like, and like yeah. having a, a real management system. What is Ivan's? What is Downloads? What is, you know, all of these things that is nice when you work for a captive is this stuff is, you know, taken care of or things are handled behind the scenes or you don't even need a separate management system. We have ours that you know, is tied in you know, to our system. Um, so, it, you know, that was a little overwhelming, but I was young. I taught myself most of it and attended some trainings, but um, you just had to kind of get a grip on, on all these different options, all these different companies. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I've never known anything different, right? So I've only been an independent. I, I, I know how hard it was for me coming in. I, I've often said, I think it's probably easier on me having no experience at all mm -hmm. that I didn't have to forget than it was, than it would have been if I were to have to, you know, try and forget that stuff and go. Uh, yeah. And I think we struggle with that if we end up with hires uh, who come in out of the captive world because their mind's kind of blown for a while 
I'm like, oh, okay. Well, like I understood the one system. I understood the, the one piece of underwriting, but now there's 20. Yeah. Like how do, how do I wrap my mind around that? Well, and, and listen, nobody in the office likes the person who says, well, that's not how we did it. It's such and such. <laughs> right. I mean, cause that's what you yes. get. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That said, you know, clean slate, start over. Here's, here's how we do it. Um, but you know, it's, it's an interesting transition, but obviously lots of people do it. And it's a really common story in the insurance industry is to start captive and then, then go independent. So. Yeah, I think that um, it, I'm always, I'm always intrigued by the fact that it seems like there are so many people I know that came from farmers or from state farm or whatever and definitely get a they, lot of all state and state farm for but sure yet they can they're farm. continuously able to backfill that's what blows my mind it's yeah. not it's not the fact that people are leaving that model to come to the independent model it's that people are going into that model knowing people are leaving that model to go to the independent model it's kind of like how do you make that decision what does that look like? Yeah. Or, and- or even worse, people who make, I shouldn't say worse, but I mean, the, the other thing is people who make the decision to leave the independent channel to go captive. I've seen a, a, yeah. a flurry recently of people who have who have been doing that, where they just feel like, you know what? It makes a lot more sense for me to go captive. I'm going to go do it. I, yeah. And I don't understand you know, that, that mindset with it, but I mean, obviously they decided it worked for them and uh, maybe it's the simplicity. I know with some of those contracts now they're giving them some up, you know, upfront money. Maybe they're thinking they're going to get you know, more walk-in clients. I, you know, I'm you, not you know what I think it boils down to if I had to guess, because I've thought about this, not because I've ever thought about going captive, but just in general, I've thought about this. And I mean, if you think about it, everybody knows who Jake from State Farm is. Everybody knows bump, 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 bump. So, I mean, the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is they're getting ridiculous name recognition and marketing prowess. So I look at it this way, and I mean, no offense whatsoever to anybody who is in a captive agency, but there is a large difference between being an inbound, pretty much inbound lead receiving organization, we call those order takers, versus going out, killing what you have to eat and dragging it back to the Cape. It's a whole different animal. And I mean, yeah. There's still some of that even even in the independent channel when you start looking at the difference between, you know, personal lines and small commercial versus going after middle market accounts. Oh, for sure. You're for just sure. never. And that's, and that's what I was going to say. I was going to say that it's also got to do with the stuff that they're going after, you know. Right. I, I mean, it's. But I mean, if I, I I'm, if I never wanted to go after an account that had significant, you know, premium to it and significant yeah. like a half a million in premium probably not altogether a bad way to make a living. I mean, there's plenty of people that have retired from doing that and you don't have to, you you don't, I don't know, Mariah, correct me where I'm wrong because you're, you've been in this, in this road, down this road before. But I mean, I just think there are so many more, I don't want to call them obstacles or roadblocks, more like speed bumps to success in the independent channel than there are if you've got the army of Allstate or the army of farmers or whoever that can give you the resources or at least aid you in getting the resources you need to push forward. Whereas you go out on the independent channel, you're the one responsible for that. And it's not even that you just have to pay for it. You have to identify what you need. Like it's, I've said this before, when I ran grocery stores, easiest thing in the world because they already had all the policies and procedures set up. All I had to do was execute. I could manage by report because all the reporting was set up. I knew what my year over year sales were. I knew what my profit margins were, all of that stuff. You go out and start your own business. You got to take 10 steps back and just identify what you need. Then you need in terms of policies and procedures and things like that. Then you have to formalize that and get it into process. Then you figure out what you can engineer systems around, right? I was just going to agree. I mean, I think that, that that is the hard part. I mean, from my experience with, with the captives, um, I think State Farm probably gives them the, the best training and kind of the best setup, but probably has the most control over them as well. Um, so, yeah, you you're kind of get a blueprint on how to create an agency. There's definitely wiggle room in there. You can create like, your own agency culture. You kind of depend on we have seen some farmers agents that do a lot of commercial outside of farmers. They can make those, those decisions. Um, but yeah, you have that support. And on the independent side, 
you you have none of that. And that's exactly right, David. You have to, you have to know enough to know that you don't know know it or don't have it set up and, and go into that. And that's where where I spent a few years struggling. It's it, I don't know what I don't know. So right. until I, I bump into this or I bump into somebody you know, who knows about it, mm-hmm. I'm not going to really be making those changes. And that's where I think you know, these you know, like mastermind groups, um, you know, the Facebook groups, IAOA, you know, any of that is really important in getting the independent channel to talk to each other, especially with an aging workforce um, and with a lot of older you know, IAs, there's a lot of information and experience there, but it's not getting funneled down to the newer agents. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think that there's a break, a, a tipping point. I don't know exactly it, where it is, but I think there's a tipping point where people finally were raised in a way where collaboration made more sense than maybe it did a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of the times I would say that the percentage of older independent agents that are willing to invest in mentorship and give time and things like that is much smaller than the people that are my age or younger. We'll use my age as the benchmark at 40. I'm going to be 47 in a month. So 47 or younger, you know, I I happily take calls. I'll share information. I'll do whatever Mm -hmm. I can to try and help people out. I just don't think that 20 years ago that would happen. Yeah. I think there's probably definitely a cultural shift. I think social media has aided it too. No, I, I agree. It's a lot easier to give out some of this information or, you know, advice or go just go and ask a question. You know, I'm not having to pick up the phone and call, you know, Jim Bob down the street who doesn't really know who I am anyways, and I'm his competition. So he doesn't feel comfortable you know, even talking to me. And yeah. it, that just, it takes away some of those barriers. I think the social media aspect is huge because, you know, you can, you can ask questions to people who aren't who you're not competing with, you know, that, that aren't right down the street, yeah. that aren't Jim Bob. <laughs> um, but I also think <laughs> it, it makes it easier. Yeah, I also think that part of it too is just like you know some of these older cats that have been doing it for a while who may be on the way out. That's their mentality. Like you know, why am I going to sit here and mentor somebody else when I'm you know getting ready to you know retire here soon? It's just like, is it even worth my time? Like I think that has to play a part as well. Plus they're not the ones who are on social right, media, yeah. right? Like, I mean, most of the, the younger generation is. So I, I think that both of those are on point. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So how long have you been independent now? So it'll be 10 years in November. 10 years. Wow. So, 10 years. Yeah. It's been quite a ride. So, in, so let, let's talk about this. Is, is all of your growth been organic over the 10 yeah. years or have you made any acquisitions? When no. we were talking with Eric yesterday, he had talked about you know, acquiring an agency not that long ago. Yeah, he so. did. Um, and like we were saying, good friends w- with Eric. Uh, there, he's only about forty-five minutes away from us. Um, but no, our, our our growth is all organic. So when I left Farmers, obviously, I was not able to take the book that I had with me. So uh, you know, started off Oakview with zero clients, um, and then it was just that that slow roll. Um, now we're about 75% personal, 25% uh, small commercial. Um, but yeah, it, it took a while, but we got there. And you know, I, in a lot of ways, am glad on how all of this worked out because I feel like I know every position in our agency because I've had to be every position in, in our agency at one point or another. And that just gives me a better understanding of what our team goes through because I've sat in their chair. I know what it's like. So it's funny. Um, they tried to give me a grocery store multiple times before I actually accepted it as a manager. Yeah. And I didn't accept it because I hadn't worked in every single department. And my whole thing was, if you want me to be responsible for managing the profitability of a deli or a bakery or a seafood department or whatever else, I have to spend some time there to understand the operations. Each one of them is different. Each one of them starts out with a different gross profit. It's a whole different animal in this though, right? I'm well, look, I've been on the record multiple times with service related issues um, that have, or internal operation stuff, right? I'm look lights out. I will go against anybody any day of the week. I'm throwing down the gauntlet right now. If you want some, come get some. I will go against anybody in, in in the sales game 
period. Yeah. I have zero fear of competition in that. But what I think people do is sometimes they see people who have some level of success in a part of their operation. And the automatic assumption is, oh, this guy's agency is perfect. That couldn't be further from the truth, right? Yeah. You know, we still struggle with exactly what I told you, right? Like my weakness in, in anything is that structure in the operational piece and getting the right people into the right spot. Oh, yeah. And I tell people all the time, look, if I was going to be the best person to, to train you on being an account manager or a CSR, then I would have to be a really good account manager and CSR. Right. I'm not like, that's not my skill set. My skill set is, you know, what I do right now, go out and produce business. And, and I I'm happy with doing that. I'm also very, very thankful that at this point we do seem to have leveled off a little bit of, of some of the things that would cause heartburn. Mm -hmm. You know, we've, we've got, you know, good people in place that we can do the handoff thing to right. at this point, but yeah, but it's, it's nuts. Time and I feel like it's a lot of that's trial and error when you're, you're first trying to figure this stuff out. And especially when you're, you're newer, you're just trying to sell and build. And I know like for me personally, I didn't care about the processes or procedures at that point. It didn't, didn't no, really just matter. Writing top line. You just want to write revenue. That's I, it. Yeah. We're just getting stuff in. And then, you know, now I have someone under me, but now it's just me and her. So it's not that big of a deal. Like we can communicate, you know, by walking to each other's offices. So, you know, that definitely has been a struggle for us is as I, we've grown and we plug more people in, you start to see the weaknesses in your processes and then you have to go back and start fixing this because all of a sudden you got five people that are doing stuff all a little bit different because they've just modified it mm -hmm. to make it work for them. And you can, you can keep growing that way. It just is not going to be the same kind of growth that you could have. And you're going to start having people walk out the back door. And really we're in kind of a with COVID, we decided to work on a lot of our, our processes and procedures because um, we knew things might get a little bumpy. So it was a great time to just start going in and, and tweaking uh, different things to, to smooth it out so that we can grow faster. You know, one of the things that I heard that, that Nick Ayers has said, um, and I almost hate to give him credit for this right now because <laughs> I, I, you know, we, I know how he operates, but um you know, he says that good marketing identifies or in or magnifies bad processes. Yes. And it's, right. it's, it's amazing, right? So especially when you do the kind of marketing things that Nick's capable of doing, mm -hmm. at least with commercial business, if we're struggling on something, we can pause for a minute, go fix the problem and move on, right? Whereas if you have inbound leads coming in from YouTube campaigns or Facebook campaigns or whatever else, you either shut the whole faucet off or you figure it out real quick. But I mean, we yeah. ran into that when we ran, we, we ran a couple of really good YouTube campaigns and I had to shut them off mm -hmm. because I just wasn't ready. Right. We're a commercial shop. We're, we're a baby compared to you. My agency turned four years old this year. And so, um, you know, I, we talk about shiny object syndrome and trying uh, to, we were, again, we were, I hate to keep talking about Eric, but we talked about so many cool things yesterday. But one of the things we talked about was, you know, how many people buy things or sign up for something just to be in the, the cool kids club of insurance. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Listen, my whole personal lines department is because I wanted to be in the cool kids club. I went to innovation of 2019 and yeah. I let Justin, Justin <laughs> Sloan and a couple of other people talked me into why I should open up personal lines because we already had the CRM. We already had some automation. We already had, pretty much what we needed. Why are you leaving money on the table? And, you know, I'm going to let the jury stay out on whether or not I think it was a good idea or no. not. We just haven't really done anything to actively go after it and build it right. because the, yeah. the one time we did, we got our freaking plow clean. We, we <laughs> brought business in from it, but holy cow, we weren't ready for it. Yeah. And I think that that's exactly, um, I mean, the shiny object syndrome, we've been through that. Our, our goal when we went to IA um, 20 in San Diego was we're not buying anything out of that vendor hall. If it's a product we already have, we're going to be looking to find out how we can use it better because we have good products. I just don't know how to work, you know, 90% of it. Um, we, 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 so we talked about the same thing, like on every episode, I swear to God, we talk about 
how we only use like 20% of HubSpot and some of the other stuff that we've got. And, you know, and I think some of them are, are really powerful and maybe it's it's overwhelming. And some of it, you know, we just don't get the right training. Some of it, it doesn't quite do what we need it to do. And so we just kind of stop messing with it and we let it sit. Um, no, I, Eric and I have had a, a similar tech journey there. We've had Infusionsoft, like we've, you know, had consultants, you know, do things on that side. And it was just too techy for both myself and my team. And now basically, if it doesn't make my life easier, or my team's life easier, I don't want anything to, to do with it. And, and so we're, we're holding on, we try to watch and see you know, what's the new tech that's coming in. You know, there's always something better, but I want to have some of the kinks worked out of that before we, we sign up and, and change it. And you have to change your workflow. That's it. That's the other thing, you know, going to some of the, the IOA conventions, you see people and they're running their agencies in a way that's different than yours. And so how they're doing it and their products work for them, but that doesn't mean that it's going to work for you or that it has to work right. for you. Your agency can have be its own entity, its own self. I don't have to be like, like Nicholas Ayers. I don't have to be you know, like you guys, we can be our own and that's okay. And that, that took me a few years to figure out because we were running like, well, we, we have to be like this person or this person or this person. And it didn't work. Yeah. It's funny. I actually um working on my content. That's going to be coming out next week. And that's one of the posts that I have mapped out to do the video and stuff for tomorrow. And it, the, the title of it's going to be my technology doesn't have to be your technology. I yeah. think that there's so many people who get caught up in that and it just, it doesn't make sense. And I mean, again, there are a lot of good tools that are out there, but if you buy them and you don't understand them or you don't know how to use them, you might as well take your money and throw it out the window. And I mean, for us, COVID I'm, I, I don't want this to sound wrong, but I really could use like two more months of COVID keeping things to where we have to come in here and slow down and focus on certain things because there's still several processes that I want to dive deep into and just be able to say, this is something that should happen in every onboarding interaction. And here's who's going to be responsible for it, create the tickets and the tasks and all that stuff around it. And I know that when things get back to normal, guess what? That's not going to happen. This is actually really, my business profit has probably doubled during COVID. And I'm not kidding about that. I'm being dead serious because, and it's not because we went out and wrote you know, a boatload of business. We're up over last year in terms of new business production. We haven't really slowed down from that standpoint, but I've been more forced to just sort of do the whole come into the office, which not necessarily something I would always do. I would normally be out meeting with people or whatever else. So mm -hmm. because I've been forced to do that, I've been forced to start like looking under all the rocks and pulling things back to say, okay, what's going on here? What's going on here? And I know, I mean, I have found so much money that was just getting vomited all over the place that I've tightened the reins considerably. So, you know, if there's a positive to come out of it, that's my positive, you know, in a selfish way, my business has become more profitable. Yeah, I think you're not spread as thin as, as you were this time last year. No. I mean, just a completely different agency makeup that we're working with right now. Completely different so. agency makeup. You know, we... Yeah. I mean, we just had some, we had a, a perfect storm of a lot of things happen last year. We had, yeah. you know, in terms of receivables got ridiculous on some mm -hmm. people that, um, you know, and it, it's tough because again, you know, we write good volume in our agency. That's not, that's not a secret, but it doesn't mean that you don't still have to fight cash flow issues. The numbers are just bigger. You know what I mean? And so when you're, when you're making decisions, no money, no problems. Yeah, when you're when you're making uh, decisions based off of your anticipated receipts, and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody jerks a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar receivable out from under your feet. I don't care who you are; that hurts. Oh yeah, for sure. Right, and so that's. Um, I'm just glad that we've sort of gotten some of that stuff on pace. I mean, I think that we'll really hit our stride operationally probably by this time next year. I think we have one more year of maturing mm -hmm. and fine tuning and getting things squared away before we we hit that. So listen, you have also the reason, I shouldn't say the reason, but one of the reasons why 
Nick told me that I needed to get you onto the podcast is because of your incredibly inspirational personal story. <laughs> do you want to do you want to share some of what you've been going through because sure. I can tell you the the one thing that has struck me and it's actually already out on social media that's one of the reasons why I was looking at my other monitor. You haven't stopped smiling the whole time <laughs> you've been on here. So either you have something I need in my life, you know, that you that you can get in California or you know you're just genuinely a genuinely a happy person and you know I I appreciate I appreciate the fact that um, of what I perceive you have gone through because I haven't been through it to the degree that you have yourself. Um, You know, I've certainly had issues in in life, but nothing like that. And to be able just to sit back and rap with the us two clowns and smile the whole time. I I just, I want to get in. We are not that entertaining. Yeah. I want to, I want to get in your head a little bit because you know, you're, you've been dealing with some pretty serious stuff. Yeah. So, uh, in December of 2019, um, I found a lump in my breast and, um, went in and, and had a biopsy and it turned out to be breast cancer. Um, I was 35, 36 now. Um, so obviously pretty young. Um, and I, yeah, I, it was pretty shocking and I was able to get my feet under myself pretty quickly through it though. Um, I, I mean, obviously the, the first couple of weeks was just you wrapping your mind around it. I, I have cancer. That's just not something you ever think you're going to like, say. yeah. I mean, is there any way to soften that blow? Like no, not, not really. Uh, and I, I mean, what run, what runs through your mind, right? Because you, you're literally just get floored. You are, I, I, I imagine you can't you can't even aggregate and organize your thoughts because so much stuff is happening in your head. It, it's hard to know what you're doing. Like, how are you moving forward? And that I talked to several other folks that um, had been diagnosed with cancer, and they said, you know, one of the hardest times is in between being diagnosed and meeting with a doctor to actually have a plan. And they were so right. Um, I. Mine was a month, maybe five weeks before I got into the oncologist that we wanted. And you know, during that time, you have two two things basically that are true. Either I'm stage one, you know, and it's not a big deal, or this is stage four, like and mm. I'm dying. And both of them are true at the same time until I get to talk to to somebody about it. Um, so that was definitely a, an overwhelming time. You know, I didn't really care what was happening with the agency to tell you the truth. And we kind of walked in, we told the team, um, we're, we're all very close. There's, I have five employees. So and they all took it pretty hard. Um, and they just kind of took care of the office while I, I stepped back for a little bit. Um, but once we, we saw the oncologist, we had a plan and, you know, they, they let me know that um, I, I ended up being diagnosed at stage two, um, but really that had to do with some size of the tumor and some other stuff. Um, but once we had a plan, I, you know, I felt much better. Um, and gosh, I've had wonderful support. I have a wonderful spouse and I have a wonderful um, support system of friends and, and the community. Uh, everybody just rallied around me. And so I can't help but, but be positive. Um, I am such a practical person that that's, that's the only thing I can do. Like having doubts, being upset, you know, being depressed are just not mm-hmm. things that are productive and they're not going to help me or my business or my family. So I, I just haven't gone there with it. Um, I, it could be a lot worse. Um, you know, it, as much as it sucks to have breast cancer, there's a lot of other things that could be happening with me. And anytime I've gotten down, that's just what I thought is I'm okay. I'm here. I've got my support system. Like, and we're rolling. We're going to get through this. Um, so yeah, I pretty much smiled the whole way, way through, through all of that. And that, that is my, my personality. I, I do smile a lot. Um, but, but you know, it, somebody always has a story and I, I know, you know, David, I've heard some of the stuff that, you know, you guys have gone through with your son. So that's, you know, everybody has a trial or tribulation. And so either we can, we can pick up and we can keep going and get mm-hmm. through this or we can just fall apart and, and wallow in it. And, right. and I just chose not to do that. And, and it was, it's a choice. I'm going to be positive about it and I'm going to beat yeah, this perfect. and we're going to continue on with life. Well, I mean, here's the thing though. This is somebody who's diagnosed with cancer and made a decision to be happy. What's everybody else's excuse in the world? 
Like seriously, every single one of us, and, and I've said this for a long time, every single one of us has a decision when we wake up every single day. You're either going to go out and make it, make your day good no matter what happens. I mean, I don't care if you had an electrical storm at your house last night, the air conditioning's out, you don't have your microphone to record a podcast. <laughs> Kyle, you could make it a great day today if you make that mental decision. I'm but I mean, it, it happen, man. I got my yeah, hand, but, I'm good. You know, and I can tell you, again, I, I, I've not been at the level to where you are right now, but I can assimilate to a certain degree just dealing with the stuff that we that we had to deal with with Ethan. Mm-hmm. And, and I can tell you um, the, the one problem, you know, that I had that was probably one of the, the, the probably the most horrific thing I've ever had to deal with in my entire life was that waiting period that you had for the five weeks was 18 months for me. Yeah, yeah. that's insane. That, that's you know, not and, a good And it's a helpless feeling. In. Like you can't- Yeah, you there's, can't. there's absolutely nothing. That you, like there's no rapid test, right? right? You can't, yeah. you, you have to wait for that period of time to compare, you know, MRIs and things. And you know what? It, if I told you that it was easy, I would be a liar <laughs> even today, right? You know, as thankful as we are that, you know, he doesn't have progressive white brain disease, I can promise you he can he can light my fuse in a split second. Like he <laughs> it is not easy. Every single yeah. day is not easy. And I mean, I think, you know, look, I'm not going to make this a political soapbox or whatever else. But, you know, it's a perspective that's different than a lot of people who don't have to deal with that when it comes back to getting your kids back to school. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's not so much, I'm not lazy. I have no problem trying to work with them, but I have a son that's got significant developmental delays and requires speech therapy and occupational therapy and all of these other things. He's not getting those. He's already behind everybody else. And there's really no way to get him the support that he needs remotely from home. So, yeah. you know, we're we're in a really really tough spot right now. I've got four kids. Right? My wife and I both my wife works from home, but she's got mm-hmm. significant responsibility in her job and I've got some some responsibility here, but you yeah. know, we we um we got to figure this thing out, man. I mean, it's nuts. It's and you know, I I you know, interesting that I have my my personal struggle, but you know, basically the nation is also struggling through COVID and and the ramifications of it. And so I, you know, I'm normally not like a big mental health person or like I'm I'm definitely more of a, a buck up and kind of you know go with it person. But you know, we have people trying to figure out how to find some sort of balance in life. And it's nearly impossible, especially if you have children and, you know, in California, we're going through this as well, where you know, basically none of the schools are going to be allowed to open. It looks like, and we have you know, staff and clients and everybody is just trying to figure out how that is going to work. And we joked this morning of, you know, between spouses, you know, here in the office was whose job is more important today? Like who's, who's the right. one whose job gets to take priority because one of us has to, you know, watch kids or, you know, help with school or do that. And one of us has to work, mm-hmm. but how do you make that decision? And it's a daily struggle. I'm sure. Um, so I, I, like everyone, obviously we'll, we'll be excited to be done with COVID, but it, it it's gone on for so long. I think it's starting to really affect people that normally would be fine to, to power through something well, somebody like Somebody asked this. me the other day, cause like we, we just had a baby. He's, he'll be three months next week. And while I know, oh, so gosh. like while that sucked and like we weren't able to have family in, in the hospital, like you normally would, yeah. and you know, a week, nobody saw him until a week after he was born because like my parents and her parents, like he was, he was born three weeks early. So they were all planning on like quarantining for a couple of okay. weeks before he was born so that when he mm-hmm. was, they could come over and everything. But obviously he came over and that kind of threw a wrench in things. So he, nobody saw him for a week cause they had to get tested. And, you know, we wanted, we were being like ultra careful. And while that all sucked and it's, and it's, and it's been a challenge cause we're not living our normal lives. We can't go out and do the things that we normally would do, take him places, have him see people. I think I would rather be in this position than having a child that's, you know, four, five, six, how, what, however 
you know, um, years old, getting ready to try to go back to school and kind of managing that and they can't see their friends and, you know, they can't get the education or learning, you know, things that they normally would have. It's just like that. I feel like that would pose so many more obstacles than, than what's been thrown at us. I'm just kind of thankful that we, we are in the position that we are at this point. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That you're in, yeah, no, yeah, David. I think yours, yours is yeah. currently <laughs> the, the hardest. If I, I win between I the, win the three, th- yeah. <laughs> Listen, um, you know the other thing too. You know, having been through this four times now, true. Sometimes it's okay to not have everybody sticking their nose in your right. newborn business, man. I mean, I realize yeah. it's it's first grandchild, so it's a little different, you know, that way. But to me. It, it, there's a certain amount of um, peace involved with not having everybody traipsing through wanting to see the baby and, and all of the yeah. stuff that happens. With yeah. That. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's right. It's got its pros and cons for sure. Um, I, I mean, we have been pretty fortunate to where both uh, her parents and my parents have been able to, you know, to come over pretty frequently, like her, her mom and my mom kind of like alternate days throughout the week. So I'll be working awesome. upstairs, uh, when my internet's working and, um, you know, they'll be downstairs hanging out with, with Nash and, and it, and it's worked pretty well. So we've been, we've been fortunate to have them, you know, uh, be able to help out. So it's, it's, it definitely could be, we could be in a, in a worse spot. So I'm thankful for that for sure. There's always that silver lining. Look for yeah. it. Exactly. Well, well, listen, I can tell you this. I can, I can promise you this beyond a shadow of a doubt. There is a 100% chance that when I wake up this morning, I can look in the mirror and say somebody else's day is going to be way worse than mine. And I can, I'm going to be right every single time. Yeah. No, that's it, It's true. I mean, I, I think everybody sometimes needs, needs a moment to, deal with you know whatever it is, is that's happening and i allow myself you know, to do that too but that's exactly like it, it could be worse i we had a shitty week last last week we had death in the family mm. uh, just office die, just just things but i just you gotta keep right. going right there's no other choice it, it'll, right. it'll get better it, it, it's okay and you know i i'm alive right. i you know I, i'm on, on the path to being healthy so hey I'm not going to complain. Yeah. So like, what does that look like? Cause you're relatively like, you're only about eight, nine months into this whole thing from yeah. the time you were diagnosed. How much more treatment do you have before you can ring the bell? End of the month. So yeah. I, I am done with chemo. I am currently in radiation. And once that sucker is done, I I'm, I'm done. And then now they just watch Dolphin. me like a hawk for years to come. But yeah, no, they, they think you got it. And, um, chemo wasn't easy, but it wasn't mm-hmm. God awful. And, and, I did nice. it. So uh, I'm that's proud, great. Proud that I did. So hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that's that's a notch. Not yeah. That's that's a notch. We're not all looking to have exactly. on our belt. But you know, <laughs> no. kudos, kudos I, to you that you're that close to being wrapped up with it. That's great. I, I don't recommend it, you know, to anyone. But I promise you that you can you can get through it. So yeah. <laughs> okay, back to agency talk. Zero right? out of ten because, stars. Because at this point, you've already proven the. You're a freaking superhero regardless that you're going through all of this, still running your business and everything. I am interested though, like what, what makes your process or what you guys do unique? How are you getting business that other, well, you don't need to give me your secret sauce, but I mean, what are you doing from like a marketing perspective or, um, you know, just new business development? What, what are you guys doing? Well, we're in a, we're in a, I, I say fair, fairly rural, but then I you know, hear some of your guests come on and they say, you know, they're in a town of 8,000. I'm like, well, I mean, you know, we, we got like 30 or 40,000, but it, it feels rural to me. Um, we've just really set ourselves up as a community-based agency. Um, and we are all over social media. Um, we comment um, on basically every lender or realtor that we're connected with. Um, just you know, pumping up their posts, promoting it. And that has really brought in a ton of, of personal line and, and even commercial business. Um, our area is still super low on like SEO. Like if you're not a, a captive agent where it's being pumped by, by their company, um, they're not, the independents aren't doing much. So we've completely mastered that. Um, we pump Google reviews. I think we're almost up to 300. So that, you know, helps drive our, our SEO 
Um, are you using any, any third party application for that? Or are you doing it on your own? I am doing that on our own. So wow, good. Because most of the time you hear people say, well, we're using Podium or we're using or this. Rocket or using or, yeah. Yeah. Or somebody like that. Now we, we've managed to, to figure out how to, to get our clients to do it on our own. And so we just haven't, we haven't seen a need for a service like that at this point. Um, but it makes a huge difference. I and mean, we have people call in all the time. We say, oh, you know, we, we found you on Google. Um, then it's up to us to figure out if we actually want them or not. But, um, you know, they're, they're at least finding us. So like the um, worst one for me is when I answer the phone and somebody says, yeah, I found you guys on Yelp. I'm like, Oh God, here we go. Like, because in my, in my mind, there's no way this person's positive to deal with because you don't hang, most positive people don't hang out on Yelp. Yeah. I mean, we have a few Yelp reviews, but I can't say right. that we get it. We get, we get the Google you know side of it, but you know, we're, we're really not doing anything super fancy. We are running one YouTube ad with Nick, um, which has gotten some, um, some positive feedback for sure. Um, and really we didn't run that ad as a driver of new business in it is more of an evergreen ad and mm-hmm. just community presence. And we do, we get people all the time saying, Oh, Hey, you know, we, I saw you on YouTube. You, you popped up on my kids, uh, you know, show. And so that's been working well. Um, but you know, we, hmm. we just ingrained ourselves in the community as much as possible. And what it have is you done to do to that? Off. Yeah. What, what have you done to do that? I mean, one thing that I can tell you, and, and I know Kyle hmm. will agree with this, you know, the amount of community service and giving back to the areas where our agencies are, you would be hard pressed to find another industry that does more for community involvement. I'm not going to say there aren't some that do as much, but I can promise you there's probably not very many, if any, that do more mm-hmm. than what the independent channel does. So I'm interested kind of hearing, I hate to call it a strategy because it sounds like you're doing it for sales reasons, but you have to have a strategy in anything you're going to do. And, and whether your goal is just to be the best and most involved in your community, you still have to have strategy around that. What what does that look like? I mean, yeah. So we could just have the, the philosophy that a rising tide lifts all boats. And so our idea was a, you know, if I help the community, I mean, maybe they're going to help us back. Um, we're, since we're a fairly rural ag based community, you know, we struggle a lot with the jobs and small businesses. So anything that we can do to support, you know, our local business community is going to be helpful. But I mean, we, we picked up some of this from the Safeco customers from life program that we went through five years ago, they really pushed um, some more community involvement and then promoting the fact that you're doing it. Um, and, and that's what we we've done. We created a referral program based on, on their program of, um, and we have a charity of the quarter. So every referral that we get in, whether we sell it or not, we donate at $10 to that charity of the quarter. And we just promote the, the heck out of it. Um, and I think, like you said, a lot of independents are giving back. But if they're not talking about it, nobody else knows. So then you can't use it as part of your uh, your, your mark, I guess, say marketing strategy. But, you know, why you might want to do business with us, why mm-hmm. we might matter. But if you don't talk about it, then how would anybody ever know? And I, I know, you know, you're not supposed to talk about money or, you know, charity or, you know, people have a really negative connotation of that. But I think there's a difference, yeah. though. There's a difference if you're like going out and you're like, oh, you know, we donated this to this charity and look, you know, look at all the good stuff we're doing versus if you're just like sharing, you know, you out at like a whatever what like whatever function you go to i don't know why you're laughing like, but I'm, I'm laughing because i can see myself going to the little league field with a florida risk partners bleacher pad and a florida risk partners windbreaker on and a florida risk partners <laughs> hat on and that would be my involvement you know that's what people's perception of me would be in the community is because i'm literally a walking billboard everywhere i go right, right? yeah so that that's, that's what i was laughing at. that's my husband so he yeah. literally I mean, if he leaves the house, it's an Oakview. And there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that either. Like, yeah, I mean, you like you gotta you gotta promote your own yeah. brand. I mean, yeah, I, and I but. think like we try to balance the tone on that because I yes, I don't want it to be a, like, look how good we are. We gave money to kids, right? I, you know, like, oh, so, you know. so you're saying that right. the idea of me having a T-shirt 
that says we've given and then a, a dry erase, you know, inlay on the T-shirt <laughs> so I can update it daily with how much money has been given to charity is probably not a good idea. I mean, I bet you people would pay attention to that. Might not be the best optics. <laughs> uh, but mm-hmm. that, that's how you know, we we basically embedded ourselves more into the community. And we have a lot, a lot of people who showed up and said, hey, you know, I heard about this or I saw you did this. Like, I want to do business with you because of it. Um, right. So it, it, it's been great. Um, we're going to actually, since most of our charities are shut down right now because of COVID, normally our big one during the summer is a close for kids drive where um, we work with the local realtor group and we go shopping for kids. We would have done it, I think, last weekend. Um, but obviously it's not not happening this year. So this year, I, this charity uh, or this quarter um, charity money, I am going to be buying a couple animals at the fair this weekend for all the fair kids who um, you know, didn't really get to show. And they're really scared that they're not going to be able to sell their animals for very much money this year because there's not a, a actual physical auction. It's going to be an online auction. So we're going to take the money in. You guys are, you guys are definitely rural. We are. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're big 4-H at FFA. I, I was a, an FFA kid. I showed lambs. So, uh, yeah. so was my wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what kind of animals are you looking to buy? I Hopefully, like a giraffe we're or something. Pigs, which is, might be right up your alley, David. Um, oh my gosh, yeah, because we were talking to Todd about that <laughs> yes. on the on his episode, and me having to chase one around the backyard with a machete <laughs> because, because you have to you have to slaughter them yourself, you know. Yeah, you yeah. Why do why do I not? Re- oh, okay, I do remember this now. <laughs> at your at your house. It, it, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, it was yeah, the yeah. episode that dropped yesterday. I <laughs> yeah. should be yeah. looking at that. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're going to pick up a couple of pigs. And obviously, I cannot eat all of this. So, uh, actually, I'm planning to give it out to the staff. They have, don't know this yet. But um, we're going to turn it also into a staff appreciation gift, basically. So, mm-hmm. kind of do two-sided. I get to support the kids. And then, you know, my team gets a little extra bonus in, in the way of pork. There you so. go. Listen, I love a good. You know the way to a man's I love a good pork bonus. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. it can be bacon, it could be ribs, it could be pulled pork. It really doesn't yeah, matter. I'm good with sure. all of it. Yeah. So, yeah. so listen, what is your preferred research organization or foundation for breast cancer? Uh, you know, uh, the if only you were going to one- donate money, where would you donate it? Right now, the only one that I really have done anything with is the Susan G. Um, Komen Foundation. There's one that is kind of up and coming in Sacramento, but I don't have all the details on it yet. Um, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to get the details. I want you to do some research. You're going to get homework from coming on a podcast. All right. <laughs> but I want, I want you to find out who you would put your name behind, and we will stroke a check for a 1000 bucks and donate it in your name. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really, really awesome. I, I will reach out because one of my good friends has just hit the board of this new charity. And I think that one of their deals is to give out money, no questions asked, to um, people in treatment to go towards bills, basically. Yeah, I don't so, care who it is. As long as Mariah says, this is who my, this is who my name is behind, we want to make that donation to help further research because this is something that affects all of us, right? I mean, you're not the first person I've talked to, obviously, that's that's gone down this path. And, you know, I just over and over and over again, the strength of the women that I see that actually from from the beginning when they get diagnosed to how they, I mean, I'm a, I would have been a big baby. Like, I don't, I don't know how I would react to any of that. And so, you know, I want to, I want to be able to help make that problem or that time period is minimally difficult as possible. I don't want to use the word easy. I want to make it as minimally (laughs) difficult as possible. And look, I get it. Sometimes it's just being able to make sure that rent for this month's covered or whatever else. So that I, and it that's so appreciated because that that is exactly I've told people over and over I I'm blessed that I'm a, a business owner in a business that has renewal income because right. that allows me to to step back and be okay I am not you know barely making it you know working three jobs and now I have to go to my chemo treatment 
like think how hard that that is for somebody. Um, so yeah, when there's these kind of charities and that can can help out in any way, that makes a big difference in somebody's life. Um, so yeah, I, I really thank both of you for that. And I, I will get you that information. So the next thing is I'm challenging everybody else out there that's listening to this to do something. You don't necessarily have to do it with Mariah, but do it. You know, if, if this story has had any impact on you at all, make a difference in somebody else's life. Look, we are wrapped up on an hour, like really right at an hour. I'm sure people are going to want to reach out to you. How do they yeah. find you, Mariah? Um, I mean, you can find me on Facebook. If you just want to email me too, you can do that. It's uh, Mariah, M-A-R-I-A-H. So like Mariah Carey, think that, um, at yourfavoriteagent.net. Just shoot is, me is this, this is the part where we should make her like take us out singing vision of love right oh no 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 <laughs> nobody wants to hear there this uh, i was blessed with the name nothing else <laughs> there you go you know what knowing mariah carey's history what yeah. a train wreck it's been you're probably better off <laughs> probably all yep. right. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on. Really enjoy talking with you. Looking forward to seeing the celebration. You ringing the bell. Just know that even though we're on the other side of the country, as far away from you as we could be, we're pulling for you. And we hope that everything is smooth as you continue to go. And um, I will follow up with you. So please make sure you reach out and let yeah. me know I, what I we will. can do. Uh, Cause that, that's a sincere Thanks, deal. Okay. Thanks guys. It was great talking with you. Absolutely. Have a great rest of the week, Mariah. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. 